0: Are you listening? 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 Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Are You Listening podcast. I'm here with uh, my good friend, Brandon. This week, I had you listen to Megadeth's Euthanasia. Correct. From 1994. It is from 1994. I'm going to give you a little background with me on this record. Just real quick, kind of similar to my Metallica background. This record was shown to me by my friend Damien uh, when I was about 12, 13, I think. Um, let's see, 90, 12. Yeah. So 94 came out. Uh, I would be 12 then. And he was my go-to guy for metal anything. He introduced me to Metallica, Pantera, Megadeth, and, uh, great guy. Miss you, buddy. Rest in peace. Went to the same school as me, rode the same bus as me. He was just a year older than me. So he was like the metal God to me especially going to the to the school that we went to uh being a catholic school not a lot of metalheads in catholic school um but he was one of those uh lights of hope amidst the darkness of catholicism
1: (laughs) it's wild that the metalhead was the the light (laughs) in in the darkness so you heard this album new like in 94 yes
0: and that was the thing so when i heard this this was
1: Probably like the first
0: one of the first new new records that I ever listened to, because at twelve, I wasn't finding my own music yet, right, so Damien was introducing me to my my kind of music. So I was listening to the stuff my mom and my dad listened to. So Boston sticks. My mom would listen to Reba McIntyre, you know, that the seventies rock type stuff mixed with my mom's country kind of style at the time. And uh, Damien coming at me with dude, it's the new Megadeth record. Listen. And I, I'm pretty sure it was a cassette. Um, So he, okay, we're back. (laughs) We're back in the nineties.
1: He was making me cassette copies of the new records did you just take a minute to think about the statue limitations yes i was (laughs) I think you're fine. I think I'm probably fine. I don't think they're going to go. If it was a Metallica album, maybe, but I don't it's think. A possibility. Actually, that's not fair. I'm, I'm, I need to put a blanket statement out now. I'm going to do everything in my power to not reference Metallica. Oh, no. That's the point of this episode. No. no one time. I want to talk about this album <laughs> as itself, and there is one moment where I will talk about Metallica. But other than that, I want to separate it, and I want to cover this album to myself as Megadeth and not Megadeth versus Metallica. Okay, well we can do that. I, I plan on doing that. But there's gonna be a little bit of there's gonna be a little bit of shitting on Metallica because I like Megadeth better. Don't get me wrong. If you ask me a question, I will answer it. But I am not going to go out <laughs> of my way to talk about Metallica in reference to this album.
0: This is I think I told you last week when I was giving you this record, this is probably not their most critically acclaimed or most people's favorite Megadeth record. I think Peace Sells, but who's buying is probably like On the list as their best record, which would have been one I gave to you to do an even comparison between Metallica and Megadeth because that one came out in 86 as well. But it's not my favorite Megadeth. And
1: is this the first Megadeth album you heard?
0: No, before this, I had heard Rust in Peace and um, Countdown to Extinction. Those were the two I would have heard before this. They were the two records that came out right before this, but this was like the first new one I heard. And it really resonated with me um, because I listened to it so much. My friend Damien gave it to me. It's a new record. At the time, I think
1: we had our first computer in my house. There's only a certain generation of people that can say, like, we had our first computer because, like, after that, they just exist. They're just always around. Yeah, right. It's really weird. It's a, it's one of those really weird. weird parts that like those that only a s- certain age range of people have experienced getting our first computer.
0: Right, yeah. But I was playing like the the free games that came with a computer listening to this record. So I have a lot of like after school memories that are just like playing Minesweeper. Or playing the snake game, or you know, those really terrible games that came with it. But yeah, so it it just it holds a place for me, just being one of the first new records I ever I ever listened to. So it is or isn't your favorite Megadeth album? It is my favorite Megadeth album. Okay. But I don't know how much of that
1: is tied to nostalgia. And but that's fair. That's how we enjoy music. We've covered that. Yeah, exactly. What we have tied to it is how good it is to each one of us. Doesn't it? Doesn't for sure. Your nostalgia can't affect anybody else. But you know, they all have their nostalgia for other shit. That's right. So yeah,
0: this, this is my favorite Megadeth record. I'll get into Megadeth. Uh, As a whole a little bit, Megadeth is an American heavy metal band formed in L.A. in 83. They're known for their technically complex guitar work and musicianship. The band consisting of Dave Mustaine, who is the vocalist and guitarist and bassist David Ellefson, they auditioned 15 drummers before settling on Lee Rausch. That was my drum fact for this episode. (laughs) Yeah, I was pretty stoked to find a drum fact because I didn't think I was going to find one. Um, And then Slayer guitarist Carrie King joined the band for just a, a small stint. He played a couple shows with them and then he was kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm out.
1: I'm going to go back to Slayer. I had read an article not even that long ago that it was, it referenced that somehow, or it was just like the headline was Carrie King was in Megadeth," And I think I just ran through it a little bit.
0: Yeah. It wasn't very long shortly after King went back to Slayer, Roush left and was replaced by jazz fusion drummer Gar Samuelson. Is Mustaine the only like consistent in Megadeth or no? Yes. He is the only person that has been in Megadeth from start to current times. The other one who's closest would be David Ellefson, but he had a stint where
1: he was away from the band for a while. Did he help write anything or is it all Mustaine? Like, is it Mustaine basically writes everything? Basically.
0: Yeah. uh, Euthanasia is actually the first record that Megadeth put out where they put that it was like written and, Recorded by Megadeth, not just Dave Mustaine. Oh, okay. He gave credit to the rest of the band on this one. That was part of some of the controversies that came along with the making of this record. Yeah, so Roush was replaced by Gar Samuelson. This was just the beginning of many lineup changes the band would go through with the only constant member being Dave Mustaine. The only other constant with Megadeth aside from Mustaine is the continual string of controversies most stemming from Mustaine's ejection from Metallica. So that of course has been uh, a constant thorn in Mustaine's side being let go from the juggernaut that was Metallica. But I mean, Megadeth's in the big four, right? So like Mustaine did it. See, that's the thing. He always feels slighted by being kicked out of Metallica, but he doesn't realize, I feel like
1: he doesn't realize how big Megadeth is. I mean, I, I he might realize it, but they're still, I mean, at the end of the day, they're still not as big as Metallica. True. Metallica is like the first band to ever play on all like all the continents, right? Isn't that like something they have? Like they even played a show in Antarctica or something.
0: Oh, no, it might be true. I, I don't know that. I don't know that fact. There's been numerous statements in the press, as well as a clip of Mustaine discussing his feelings in Metallica's movie, Some Kind of Monster, which Mustaine later had issues with because he felt he was mischaracterized. And that it did not represent the full extent of what happened at the meeting that was filmed for the movie. So even in statements that he has made on and off film, he has problems with those statements.
1: I was aware of like an anti-Metallica Dave Mustaine. Like I think I, I knew about that character that like Dave yeah. Mustaine was, I, I, don't, I don't really want to say jealous, I guess, but maybe jealous. But just oh, always, is, like... Just, super angry with those. And have they ever rectified it? Like has, have they ever made up seems
0: to be a little bit, but Dave always has this in the back of his mind that he was kicked out of the biggest band of all time. And he's been slighted. And I don't know. I don't know how much of that is like he, they recorded some songs that he wrote on that Mm -hmm. he didn't get to play on. Yeah. I can see where that would get at me. Like if I wrote songs
1: with you guys and you had somebody else come on and record it but maybe maybe without that attitude he would have never succeeded with megadeth because he wouldn't have tried as hard right but his thinking is he still hasn't succeeded
0: as megadeth like i've always wondered why he doesn't think megadeth is like i get this feeling from him every like i read his autobiography i've seen a bunch of interviews and stuff like that i just like i just don't understand why he can't grasp the concept that megadeth is important Megadeth is good. They're amazing. And arguably, this is part of that argument I have with my friends, like on a weekly basis. They have better records than Metallica does. Metallica's Saint Anger, Load and Reload. All three of them are not great. Saint Anger is a pile of garbage. Load and Reload, if you take the good songs off of Load and Reload, you get like almost a record. I just, uh, I don't know.
1: I I can't I I can't have an opinion because I don't know any know. of those records.
0: That's the argument I have with my friends. Is it like I just don't understand. Like, don't get me wrong, Megadeth has their bad records too. Like, Cryptic Writings and Risk were not that good. This was the third album of the most consistent lineup of Megadeths. So they did the two records I had mentioned earlier, Youth in Asia, and then Cryptic Writings. These four records had the same four members in the band and that's about it for their entire lineup for the entire length of Megadeth's the, their their entire run they've had four records with four of the same members the rest have been like switched out and changed and pretty crazy
1: so in theory this album is them just clicking like they they all should be in groove with each other like they all should know yeah. exactly what the others doing and like right. this album and that's
0: I think that's why they, uh, Dave Mustaine ended up like being like, yeah, this was a band, a full band project. This wasn't everybody playing along to what I had written. This record was actually written entirely in studio, and that's something they've never done before. Uh, so that, that's pretty cool. The band's lineup for Euthanasia consisted of Dave Mustaine on vocals and guitar, David Ellison on bass, Marty Friedman on guitar, and Nick Menza on drums. Uh, and this is considered their classic lineup. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I love Rust in Peace. I love Countdown to Extinction. Cryptic Writings took more of a
1: radio-friendly turn for the band. There's some stuff in here that I think is influenced by the music of the time. There's certain songs and certain, not even whole songs, there's certain parts in this where I almost hear like a grunge influence in this thing a little bit. Okay, sure. And And the peak of grunge was 93. Yeah. I don't think there's an outwardly grunge track. Like I didn't really, there's no song that I can point to that say, this is the grunge track, but sure. I definitely heard certain things in there and then figuring out the year and then '94. The peak of grunge was 93. It, it, it's going to leak its way in at some
0: point. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's 12 tracks and 49 minutes and 57 seconds long
1: and not, not one song over five minutes long. I'm well aware.
0: I'm well aware that I appreciate that fact. <laughs>
1: When I was listening to this and like, well, when I first went in and looked at all the track lengths, I, and, and you had, you had said that it's not, you know, their most respected album, but it's your favorite. It's, it's one you right. wanted to give to me. I felt like you went through every Megadeth album, looked at all the track, t- the track times. <laughs> and were like, this is the one, this one's the most well-adjusted <laughs> to curate for him. Yeah.
0: I mean, it it really is, but that's not why I picked it. Like I picked it because I actually have background with it. But while looking at it, I was like, "Man, there isn't a long track on this. Most of these are like radio-friendly times, and there's not like super long, overbearing guitar solos.
1: Like there's solos, but they're not eight-minute-long instrumentals. The, the solos exist, and the, I have my normal track-by-track breakdown that we'll get to. Yeah, um, we'll, so yeah, we'll, we'll get talk there. more about solos and certain things. But there's overall the solos in this album seem to have like a backbone to them like they're they, okay. they're 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 not slouched over while the solos happening they're, they're straight up and then if i <laughs> right. if i get bored by the solo that i can latch onto that backbone of groove that's behind the solo and then just yeah. deal with, like just groove on that as opposed to oh cool the solo is still happening and that's all i can listen and I, to
0: i think that might have to do with the way it was was recorded like written and recorded completely in studio so I think each band member really put their their stamp on each track yeah Dave wants the solo here let's do that but David Ellison's gonna come in the back and throw a nice bass line down Marty Freeman's gonna come in and do his thing on guitar and then Nick Menza is just gonna have that really great um, groove to the drums and it's like every track is like that.
1: The, yeah, the rhythm section. Anytime there's a solo, is just delivering. The sol- the rhythm section is just crushing at the same time, and it's yeah. just it's just like wow, this is. And and I have to give I think a lot of credit, and I don't know if it was the same way in the original mix, but like this remaster, that's what we listen. I don't know if you listen mm, to it, but yeah, the, I, I was listening to the remaster, and the mixing is like perfect. Like there's nothing sounds off everything sounds the exact volume it should be and they're they're all very loud but they're not competing with each other which is is very this thing's engineered great like i just think (laughs) it's pleasant
0: (laughs) yes it's mixed up so well euthanasia was released november 1st 1994 through Capitol records and received positive reviews upon its release it peaked at number four on the billboard 200 selling one hundred and forty three thousand units in its first week and was certified platinum in the U.S. in 1995.
1: So it went to number four. Yeah. This album succeeded. It's, it really did, but it's kind of brushed away by certain people. What was the number one song at the time when this album was number four?
0: The number one song at the time, from August 27th to December 2nd, 1994, was Boys to Men, I'll Make Love to You. Wow, that is
1: way different than this album.
0: The other records that were released November 1st, 94, were Nirvana's Unplugged in New York, Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas, Tom Petty's Wildflowers, Brand Nubian's Everything is Everything, and Willie Nelson's Healing Hands of Time. Okay.
1: Yeah, so a pretty eclectic mix. The the Nirvana makes sense with the, you know, where they were and where grunge was.
0: The recording process was full of problems and complications. Dave Mustaine, there were outrageous emotional interventions in order to make the group, a democracy. So, him saying that this was a band project came from the band going to him and them
1: having extremely emotional interventions. Yeah, I think I'm going to enjoy Megadeth more the less I know about Dave Mustaine. It sounds it's like. true.
0: You have to really. This is one of those situations where if you want to enjoy the music, you really have to separate
1: the music from. The members but i mean it's not like he did anything bad bad right like he wasn't no. out there like sexually assaulting people or anything right?
0: no 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 that was david ellefson oh boy it wasn't sexually assaulting it is um allegedly grooming i think is what he's in trouble oh. for right now oh
1: no oh no yeah
0: that that's a new thing that's a new development this year he's no longer in in megadeth now
1: oh so they kicked him out of the band yeah. good
0: yeah Oh yeah, no, he's out. Another issue in regards to the recording process concerned uh, where the recording would take place. Eventually, the decision was made to record in Phoenix, Arizona due to the majority of the band members living in the area. Recording began at Phase 4 Studios in Tempe, Arizona, but after a few weeks moved to Vintage Recorders in Phoenix. Producer Max Norman suggested they build a new studio, uh, which they did. They they built their own self-dedicated studio in South Phoenix, in a warehouse and the album was written solely in the studio. Dave said we weren't playing any old cataloged material, none of the past really influenced the new record. He gave the rest of the members more freedom and went on to call the album very much a total band effort.
1: Sounds like he was coming around a little bit maybe at some point.
0: Right. Cool notes on their producer Max Norman. He produced The Blizzard of Oz. Diary of a Madman, Speak of the Devil, and Bark at the Moon for Ozzy Osbourne. The big ones. Yeah.
1: The big ones. Like the big Ozzy records. Some really
0: big Ozzy records. Yeah. And then he also produced their uh, Megadeth previous record, Countdown to Extinction, which okay. is for them probably their, I don't want to say their biggest record, but it's huge for them. I think that one was number two on the Billboard 200 when it came out. The record had three singles, Reckoning Day, Train of Consequences, and A Toot Le Monde, which...
1: Had its own little controversy. So three of the first four on this album are singles. Yeah, crazy, right? That's that's a weird... That's It's weird to pack your singles in the front of an album. Right. right. That's weird to me. It's weird to me that... I mean, two singles, one, two is weird. And Reckoning Day being a single is weird to me also. Yeah, I don't know who picked the singles. Like who went and was like, yep, I hear it right here. These ones are going to be huge. I get the other two. I, I, fu- I fully get the other two. Reckoning Day... I don't. Yeah.
0: But yeah, too lemond had had a controversy to it. A lot of people took it as a suicide note and Megadeth condoning suicide, which Dave has over and over and over again denied uh, that that track has anything to do with suicide. It's just a love letter to
1: his friends and family after he passes. The only reason I knew anything about that is because when I was looking up what that translated to, I saw that there was a cover with... Uh, Christina Scabia, I think it's pronounced that way, from Lacuna Coil. They they did it. They did like in an '09 together or something. Mm -hmm. And then in those YouTube comments were the arguments that this was a suicide song, and then people saying no, it's just about getting getting saying goodbye in your last moments. Yeah,
0: actually, that track is actually on a list I have. For Emily, of songs to play at my funeral. That's a wild vibe. That's a wild vibe at a funeral. <laughs> I have a lot of crazy songs on my uh, my funeral playlist. Man, what a what a
1: wild mixtape! Scott's funeral is, dude. It is.
0: It's so long.
1: <laughs> Hold on. I like the idea that you're making everybody sit there through hours of music. I'm gone, but you need to listen to all. One hundred percent. I don't know how many funerals you've been to, but they play music throughout. No, I'm saying like your your casket's gonna have like a, a time lock where they can't close it until <laughs> all the songs play. I like that. That's fantastic. That's a good idea. It's like a reverse saw trap. Yes. Yes. But yeah, I, I got tons of songs on this that are kind of Panteras on here, Queens on here, Dropkick Murphys. Don't spill them all right now. We're going to have surprise Scott's Funeral episodes. I'm going to have to make a jingle for it. And then there'll be a little jingle for Scott's Funeral song. We
0: have, we have talked quite a bit about our age difference and you being younger than me. I
1: expect you to be at the funeral. Your son's going to look at me. He's going to be like, okay, you got to go. You got to get out of here. We <laughs> yeah. get it. He liked his music. We understand. He's still going to hold it against you that you didn't like that Walking on Cars record. He is. He's going to say, hey, uh... Remember when you shit on my favorite record?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I have some reviews. First review is from Neil Arnold from MetalForcesMagazine.com. Mustaine and company moved into the grunge-infested mid-90s with an album bereft of Vic Rattlehead from its cover. Vic Rattlehead being the logo.
1: He was kind of, he was their Eddie. Yes, 100%.
0: With a sound that could be categorized as melodic metal rather than thrash. It has been argued that Euthanasia, the band's sixth record, was the last true Megadeth opus before the mid to late 90s slump. While it pairs in comparison to the classic Megadeth records such as Peace Sells But Who's Buying and Rust in Peace, Euthanasia is still a solid ball of polished rock. Featuring that distinctive Dave Mustaine sneer and the superb guitar work of Marty Freeman. Dave Ellefson provides that sturdy bass while Nick Menza is the spine of the machine, which in my opinion, left rivals Metallica in its wake a long time ago. He gave Euthanasia a 7.5 out of 10. We have Tom Sinclair from Entertainment Weekly saying on Megadeth's fifth album, it is their sixth, so this guy
1: definitely (laughs) knows what he's talking about. Entertainment Weekly. Yeah.
0: Dave Mustaine's tortured lyrics and virtuoso guitar cliches are still with us, making this the sort of musical speedball that might impress but won't impact. He gave it a B
1: minus. I mean, that's kind of what this album did, though, right? Get impressed. It went to number two or number four. four, But but yeah, it didn't impact, I guess. I don't think that guy was wrong.
0: Yeah, but he was wrong saying it was the fifth record. Yeah, but he still gave it a B plus, which is wild. B B minus. I had to like give some extra like research time to this because I wanted to make sure he was actually talking about euthanasia and not talking about their fifth record. But the the title of the article that this is taken from is titled music review euthanasia from november 4th 1994 so it's definitely about euthanasia but he called it the fifth
1: album i mean what do you expect though did you really expect entertainment weekly to care about a megadeth record enough to fix that or uh, the editor had no idea that was wrong yeah nobody, nobody fact-checked it either it was 94 they said yeah it's a megadeth album whatever put it out <laughs>
0: it's five sure record five uh one more matthew klaus of Odysseyonline.com said megadeth's euthanasia is never really mentioned among megadeth's best But I believe it is one of their most consistent and best all-around efforts. A 9 out of 10. That's closest to your review of it. That is That would basically be the words out of my
1: mouth reviewing this record. I mean, the words out of my mouth are, this thing rolls. I don't use that phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. and, And I didn't know if I ever would but that's the that the one main thing i took away from this it, th- this album rolls and i maybe that's the 94 coming out in me like <laughs> there's a bit right of there. 94 like this thing rolls but it it really does yeah. and i i'm ready to break this thing let's out do it. with you track my track yeah let's do it all right opens up opening track reckoning day yes and in an effort to not speak about metallica i have to go like super metaphor with the with all of this <laughs> okay So essentially, this album is going to be a a meal of multiple courses. Ooh, I like it. So Reckoning Day, it's fine. It's fine track. I don't really have anything against it. It just kind of I, I fade past it like I'll be listening to it and then just find myself. It's just playing, but I'm not really paying attention. I don't know what it is about this track but it did it every, every single time I listened to it. Sure. Like I, I'd be like, all right, let's get into Reckoning Day. And then two minutes in, I'd be like, wait, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I don't know what. <laughs> so it kind of gets me in the proper mindset of the album, but I'm not really like latched onto it. So it just kind of sets the table. like It's putting out the plates. It's putting out the spoons, the napkins. It's it's setting everything up for what we're about to have for the rest of the album. Sure. We move on to the second track, Train of Consequences. There it is. And they surprise you with a feast right out of the gate. Yeah. This thing. This track is so good. Yeah. This track is so good. My first couple of listens, it was giving me like Grand Theft Auto Vice City vibes. Okay, like I I couldn't I couldn't explain why. Sure. But like maybe it's just the the hook. The, the there's something similar. I even looked up to see what Megadeth tracks were on GTA games. Okay, and Peace Cells was on Vice City. All right, it gave me it gave me GTA vibes, but other than that. It, this distracts this amazing start to finish the solo didn't bother me at all because it's the first time that i i i've i started realizing that there's a spine to it it's standing up straight there's a backbone if i get bored i can latch onto something else listeners i have the biggest smile on my face right now and it's not coming <laughs> off this is great the like the riffs behind the solos are loud enough and like they're in your face enough that if you don't want to focus on that solo there's something else to latch onto. and i think that's what i need because i will get bored of a solo very quick for sure but i'll also i'll listen to the rhythm and then i'll come back to the solo. like i will bounce back and forth I, I i got down on every part of this track this track is awesome it's so good reckoning day made me think oh no is this going to be this whole album like am i going to have to really focus right and then train, train of consequences just like walked into my mouth and <laughs> it was just stomping <laughs> on my taste buds and i was like this is great this is exactly what I wanted Megadeth to be. Even though I wasn't familiar with many Megadeth tracks, I, I this this tr- this track I was just like, this is it. This is what I need. Fantastic, this is great, good. Moving on to the third track, "Addicted to Chaos," which is sandwiched in between all the singles. So <laughs> right, amazing. That, that that tells you about that track. Yeah, I feel like it's a momentary relaxation, a period of rest in the feast. Sure, like we just finished that huge main course. So the plates are getting cleared off. This is where you're wiping your mouth with your napkin, wiping mouths and napkins. Everybody's <laughs> conversating, but everybody's also still maintaining the groove and the vibe of everything. So it's you know doesn't I don't have anything negative to say about it. Okay. A lot of these tracks it's going to be boring because I don't have negative things for most of these tracks. But that's good. It is good. I, I like I said this uh, this album rolls. I I really enjoyed this album. Good. I think the Chaos isn't overtly my favorite track, but I like it. It's interesting enough. It's good. Scott's first funeral song. <laughs> It is. It actually is the first track I wrote down for my funeral playlist. And how? What's the proper pronunciation? I don't want to botch it. A At- tutu At- le monde. At- le At- yep. It starts as a standard ballad. I just expect a ballad from it. That's all. I'm. That's all I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. And then there's a point where I'm about ready to mentally check out. It's like, oh, okay, all right. And then French just it happens. Yeah. And it was so surprising. It was. It took me off guard so much. This album did this more, and I'll, there'll be later songs where it happened, where just when I'm about to check out, just when I'm about to say, okay, this song's fine, it'll shift into a gear and it'll do something interesting, it'll do something surprising, and it really just grabs me back into it. And then I'm not even just like, oh, this song's good. I'm on the other side of, wow, this thing is great. Right? It takes me so off guard that I shift from, this song's fine, to, this song is awesome. It just It's such a different things that happen at the exact perfect times they need to happen this song is the reason i took french class in high school
0: that's that's a wild statement because i didn't know what that meant i didn't know when what... you and you didn't have google like there I was yeah no there was no like it real
1: internet back then it's still so interesting like it the song it, it just shifts into the french out of nowhere yeah like you're not anticipating it right and then it even though i guess that the title is french but Right, but you don't, just because it's French doesn't mean that it's going to be in the lyrics, yeah. Blew my mind. Right. It, th- this track, like, after I was, Trade of consequences caught me. Yeah. I think through the chaos, I was like, it's, you know, it's fine. We're still in the meal. And then uh, that that was just, wow. Like, I, at that point, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Four tracks in. Yeah. First time I listened to this, mm-hmm. four tracks in, I tried buying the vinyl. I was online. Dude, it's so ridiculously expensive. It's stupid. I know. It needs a repress now. Agreed. Like, yesterday. It needs a repress yesterday. Yeah. Cause it's it's stupid. I think what like one hundred and eight, one hundred and eighteen bucks or something. That was the cheapest I've seen. Yeah, like one twenty. Yeah, and it was like a picture disc, and, which yep. I also don't like. Picture discs. I don't like picture discs either. Man, I was bummed. Yeah. I mean, I guess I kind of answered a question a little bit. Yeah, there, kind would, of. But it's all right. <laughs> we'll keep going. Move into uh, Elysian Fields. Yeah. This track, moving along with the the, the meal and the the food metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a flavored sorbet in between courses. Oh. It's cleansing the palate of what you just experienced with that emotional French you just had. Mm-hmm. But it's also flavored to get you to keep you still heading in the direction of the flavor that you're gonna get next. Sure. So it's still leading you along, but it's a nice moment to cleanse your palate again everybody's still talking everybody's still vibing baby (laughs) nothing negative to say about this it's it's solid it's a solid track it sounds boring but i honestly i'm not gonna fight for something negative right i'm not gonna try to find something negative next we have the killing road and this track's an absolute ripper this is the second main course we have yeah if i ate meat this would be one of those cartoon style huge ham hocks that has like the bone coming out of it (laughs) This is just getting brought out on a stretcher almost. Yeah. And it, it's a, it's just a destroyer. This song is a destroyer also. it's This song is also amazing. This song's fantastic. Nothing negative to say awesome. about this track at all.
0: I love that you're having all these positive... You're getting
1: all this positive from this record. I love it. I, I listen to this album a lot too. I listen to this album a lot this week. Now we're on Blood of Heroes. Yes. Great. Just another really good track on here. I, I don't have anything super, you know... Important to say about it. Sure. a Good track on this album, but I have nothing against this track. Family Tree, another perfect example of a song doing exactly what's needed to pull me back in. Okay. Like it opens up and it's, it's interesting enough to hold me for a bit, but then this is the one where I really started realizing how Mustaine sings things where, or I guess it'd be writing how he writes things sure. where one verse is half of a sentence or, or he'll break a sentence up in between a verse, and it's just it, he does it, certain weird things where I had to after I looked up what a tout meant, mm. I went into like lyric sheets to try to get a better grasp on some of the stuff because there were moments where I was like, I don't know what he's saying, but it was because he was splitting sentences yeah. up where I where it was like a different rhythm than normal human beings talk. Right, the phrasing. Dave Mustaine's a robot. He's a robot. Just... <laughs> but that's what happened on this one. Is it was he was singing a certain way and then it kicks into the let me show you hook mm-hmm. and that thing is so smooth and buttery yeah. it could have been it could have been an ario speed wagon <laughs> chorus it could have been a foreigner chorus that hook could have been used by one of those giant bands sure. it's a jukebox hero level hook gotcha. it's, it's unbelievably good yeah but it's still surrounded by the megadeth flavor right next we have euthanasia uh, the title track of the album. Yes sir. And I just have that this track is an engine. It's an engine of a track. It just revs and revs and everything's perfectly calibrated. Everything is just manufactured specifically to just rev and the engine is revving for the <laughs> purpose of ripping. Like this it, it's just great. Yeah. This is exactly the track that needed that the album needed to be named after if that's what happened. I don't know if they named the track after the album either way. This this track does I don't think a is a word. Sure. We can, it can be one. What is the, I'm, am I making more words? I <laughs> it. there's definitely a, there's definitely a word in there though. There's something there. It. This track is the epitome of what this album is. It's just, it epitifies, it epitifies. You know how excited I'm going to be if a pitify is actually a word. <laughs> Man, gonna, I'm going to be so going to have to look stupid. that up. But yeah, this song just rips front to back euthanasia. It's great. I thought I knew it all another track that pulls me back in with the perfect change at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. Just a, another great song. I, I, I honestly, this, this I'm surprised me so much with how much I like yeah. it. Yeah. Especially after my first listen, the first thing I heard was like the grunge overtones. Right. And I was like, Oh no. Yeah. And then in, my, in the back of my head, I'm like, does Scott know about this? And this is a Trojan horse situation no. where I'm going to say, I like this. And he's going to say, you love Pearl jam. <laughs> and then I'm going to, then I'm going to cry. And it, and I'm gonna have to reevaluate my entire history of musical listening. We're gonna
0: we're gonna have to get into Pearl Jam next week.
1: After I thought I knew it all, we have Black Curtains, mm-hmm. and I had said that I will only reference Metallica one time. And this is it. This is it. Okay. Uh, Black Curtains is heavier than anything Metallica's ever done. Whoa. Sure. This track is great. This thing destroys everything around it. It's the like moving back to the food. It's the darkest heaviest flaming chocolate dessert it's just decadent but it's so black you can barely see the black flames coming <laughs> off of it this track has no business being as heavy as it is for 94 this thing is so heavy it should be the final track this black curtain should close out the album because of the you know the curtain you know curtains right. fall things like that gotcha. black curtains and it's just such a killer that this if this track ended the album i'd be so perfectly fine that being said moving on to the final track victory i actually like victory quite a bit okay i do and it wasn't until this is one that's very clear how he sings things weirdly but also i knew when i heard hanger 18 yes i knew that was a mega death okay i was gonna ask if you caught any of those and i only know that from guitar hero okay and i knew that was a mega track so then i started here and i knew peace cells was like an album that they did i yep. know if it was a track apparently it is and then once i went and looked at the lyrics it's a lot of are they all megadeth tracks that he's 23 different
0: megadeth references in that track one of them the the anarchy is a cover they did of anarchy in the uk but it counts as a reference because they recorded
1: it either way this still works with my whole metaphor about the dinner yeah because black curtains was your dessert like that it, it was just the most decadent heaviness that you could ever have it was delicious and you're sitting there your stomach's full you're in a state of euphoria almost and then this is the track the chef walks out of the kitchen and just starts telling you how amazing everything you just ate was and then (laughs) and then starts telling you how great every meal he's ever made was even the ones you didn't eat right he's saying hey oh this is it i'm telling you it was the best one i ever made like i didn't have it but he's saying no no i'm telling you though it was the best and that's what this is it's just Dave oh. Mustaine telling us how great it is. But you're in this state of euphoria yeah. from the decadence. And then you kind of like, wow, this guy really believes in himself. And then it, it's like admirable. It's like, oh, okay, Dave, G- good job, chef. We enjoyed the meal, right. I guess. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead back to the kitchen now. We're not friends. You're the help. <laughs> you're the help. But no, I, I, other, than, other than, you know, Reckoning Day, yeah. which again, I didn't dislike. Every other track on this thing had something that made me say, wow, that made me really enjoy it. Not one track length bothered me. Not one solo bothered me. The only real problem I had with Even Day of Reckoning, or Reckoning Day, is uh, it reminded me of how when I would try to write music with like a band or with people, how one of the hardest things to do is know when to end a song. Right and how to and how to end the song. Yeah, and this I felt like this track was. I yeah, could have done it there. Oh, oh. Could have done it there. Twenty more seconds. Oh, oh <laughs> nope. Oh, could have done it there. Right. Oh, a couple more drum beats. A couple more drum beats. Okay. Oh oh, more drum beats. Oh, could have done. Oh, all right, guys. Cool. <laughs> Moving on. But it didn't take it away enough for me to dislike the track. I I absolutely loved this album. Oh man, I'm so glad. And I wish that I would have been able to buy it.
0: Like, I wish I could own this thing. This is one I've been looking for on vinyl
1: forever. Like, quite literally since eighth grade. It was wild to me how much I enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting it. Right. Oh, that's awesome. There's even moments in this where, like, I reference Ario Speedwagon and Foreigner. There's moments that sound like other lighter rock bands that my dad listened to a lot. Yeah. Which made me think that if my dad would have been of the mindset... By '94, I don't think my dad was listening to anything new. Like, I think he was just checked out. He was done. Sure. I think I think if this album, if he would have given this thing a chance, he would have loved it because there's a lot of those sounds from some of the older soft rock, which I get. That's probably where the melodic metal opposed yeah. to crash comes yep. from. Which which I did enjoy a lot. This was the record where they took their turn more towards radio friendly. And I'm just wondering if I'd like their next album or their previous album more. I'm not sure. And and I will be exploring more Megadeth because this album was great.
0: Fantastic. Cryptic writing, not my favorite. I lean more towards Countdown to Extinction and Rust in Peace, which were the two previous records to Euthanasia. I lean more that way. I love those two records. But they have certain songs in both those records that kind of take me out halfway through. And I didn't want to give those to you because of that. Like, I wanted to give you my best shot at you liking a Megadeth record.
1: Are there any moments in this record, certain times that you thought I would think about certain things? Family Tree. And you, what what did you think? That one thematically, subject
0: matter, is always kind of weird to me. Yeah, it's weird. But I, I'm a big fan of weird. Yeah, it, but that, that was the only one point where I was like, he might not dig on this if he looks into the lyrics a lot and then takes it a certain way.
1: Oh no, yeah, the lyrics are a little weird. Yeah. But I made sure that I already had a definitive opinion on the like the sonics of this album, mm. like I probably listened to it six or seven times before I went into the lyrics, okay, and I have a very you know that that metal ear where you can decipher metal lyrics and things like that, right yeah, and for some reason, it was the it was the the pattern that got me. It wasn't really what he was saying,, sure. but I couldn't wrap my head around certain times how he was saying things my acquired ear failed me with most of
0: (laughs) yeah sonically and musically i didn't think i couldn't pinpoint a section where i thought it would take you out of it at all because i think overall musically it is pretty consistent there are like you know the slower ballady parts of a tout le monde but like you said even in that like it it, kind of threw a curveball at you with the french in there um, mm-hmm. so I thought knowing you and how you like things to s- not necessarily switch up on you but throw you little curveballs, how much you enjoy that. I thought that might
1: be one. Oh, it was this whole album. this whole album was curveballs. yeah, so I loved it. I loved it I loved that's it. so great. I'm so glad you like it what's your what's give me your top three first okay uh, number one is a tout
0: le monde, of course, which if anybody is curious, there's French it's a tout le monde, a tout mes amis, J'avouge, Je dois it means to everyone, to all my friends, I love you, I have to leave. Like I said, this is the first song that I put
1: on my personal funeral playlist. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I love everything about this track. The only reason it didn't make my top, it's it's sitting at number four. Mm. And only because three other tracks just... Blew you away. Left, left me unconscious. Sure.
0: <laughs> so uh, My number two is Victory. I think it's because of... I, I think it's because of all the references that I I really appreciate when bands can do something that's like you just don't ever expect somebody to reference their own songs in a song. It's very it's very quirky. Yeah, it's a very
1: quirky thing to do. I think I just dig it. And the phrasing on that thing was so different too. Like it, like I said, I I liked that track. Yeah. I liked all the tracks. I liked all the tracks. It's a weird <laughs> thing to say. It's a weird thing to say that I liked all the tracks. It's it's it feels weird. That's good though. Did you ever listen to Sublime?
0: at all? More than I probably should. Okay. Have, yes. <laughs> on, on 40 ounces to freedom, their final track there is just a big long thank you to everybody. So it kind of reminds me of that too. Like just like kind of a weird thing that you throw on the end of a record. This one references their old stuff. And I just loved it. I that's why I love victory. I don't know.
1: Oh, I, I liked it a lot. And I liked the, like the phrasing was so different that it gave me something to latch on to. And then once I figured out they were all Megadeth songs, and I had already had that whole Food metaphor going in my head. Yeah. I was like, "This is it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the perfect. This is the perfect bow to put on that story." And then number
0: three is train of consequences. Oh, that tracks so good. Yeah, it it's is.
1: So good. It is. And that that's my number three. Train of consequences is my number three. That riff is so great. It's just it. There's very few music like this of this time that makes you get like that 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 gross face. Like, <laughs> the,
0: oh. it's nasty. Oh. And
1: that the first time I heard that riff, I was like, oh. Yes. Yeah, yes, that's it. For sure. My number two, The Killing Road. Okay, yeah. You remember when we listened to the Walking on Cars album? And Oh, I remember I it. And, Yep, <laughs> I bet your son does too. And I said, I don't really have a place to put this in my life. Was that was that the album I referenced? Like there's not a like it didn't work at the gym, it didn't work yeah. at home, it didn't work. This megadeth album fits in in Anywhere. every place seamlessly in my life. Yeah, I listen to it at work, I listen to it at the gym, I listen to it on a hike, I listen to it while I am driving. Everywhere it fits in, and it, it, it that's weird to me because <laughs> I am such a I am a dude that has so many different vibes. Yeah, that one album fitting all of it is weird.
0: You said you can listen to this hiking. Funny thing is. I listened to this hiking when I was hiking back in the day. I was geocaching. I listened to this record nonstop walking through like this park we have looking for geocaches. Just listening to this.
1: And I I think Killing Road makes you pick up your pace by like four minutes a mile. (laughs) Like it's... (laughs) Like Killing Road comes on, you're just stomping yeah. through the woods. Just stomping. And I think you can guess my number one track. I actually can't because
0: I thought you, I thought it was going to be Train of Consequences.
1: I went off pretty hard on this. Black Curtain. Oh, no, that's it's right. Yeah, you did. It's so yeah. good. It's so, it's so good. I, there's nothing that I could change about that track that I think would make it better. Even the placement? Because you, you didn't mention you w- thought it would be a closer. But I don't want it after Victory. And But I still want, that's the problem. Like I still want Victory on this album. Yeah. But I don't think victory fits anywhere but the end. But I think a better conclusion to the album is Black Curtains. Okay. Like I guess if Victory was a bonus track, but again, that's just it's semantics. It really doesn't matter because it's not the closer. I think Black Curtains could be absolutely handled by a very like heavy deathcore band <laughs> unbelievably heavy yeah and I, I went looking I went looking for covers and all I found was like people doing guitar covers which it's mega death I get it yeah but it's not what I'm here for right <laughs> and then I guess we'll talk about the bookend test even though we already kind of you know touched on it with me wishing victory wasn't the final track right uh, bookend test you take the first track the last track play them back to back see if you can Formulate a journey between the two. Here, a journey, something. If we're going reckoning day to victory, it's the table setter to the bus boy. Right, victory the bus boy. Right. It's a very comedic bus boy. He's having a great time. He like he's still part time. of the vibes. Yeah, but it's just it's just the bus boy. Uh, if we're going reckoning day to black curtains, it goes from easing me into the shallow end of the pool of megadeth into black Curtains. i am an official fan i'm an official fan <laughs> oh. of megadeth based off this album alone that's awesome that's so awesome i'm so happy I, this album is awesome yeah. i can't say I, I i can't say anything bad about it i don't want to say anything bad about it um, obviously if i was pressed i could find some things but there, why why There's no point in unnecessary negativity yeah. i don't need i enjoyed the hell out of it and that's what i'm going to stick with that's awesome
0: I'm so happy. So uh, for you, thrown On or Grown? Although you kind of answered it earlier.
1: Yeah. No, it's 100% an own. Yeah. Depending on what parameters of Throne would be. Okay. I guess. I mean, like, if the parameters are Megadeth album, of course, this is in the Throne because I haven't heard another one. Right. If it's in the terms of, let's even go rock slash metal albums from 94. I don't think I can name any ones offhand right now that I know of from 94. I'm sure Morbid Angel put out a decent album in 94, (laughs) but I can't. Come up with a name with it, so it technically could be a throne, but I'm going to save that until I dive into some more mega deck. Sure, but I loved it so much it's it's a it's an absolute own, and it'll be one that even if I'm out record shopping somewhere and I see it at a store for the price like maybe 120, I probably will buy it. That's awesome! I want it that bad. Yeah. I loved this album. Yeah, it's so good. It's like I said,
0: it's one I've been looking for like forever since I started collecting vinyl it has been on the list for me
1: but what was your record of the week my record of the week was and this will go to show you and i guess i'm gonna ruin my not talk about metallica thing here a little bit but whenever (laughs) i listen to that metallica album i talked about how it was unfair to put it up against heavier things and expect it to be heavy sure Uh, i listened to deicide's first album deicide self-titled from 1990 Mm -hmm. that is Unbelievably heavy, yeah, and fantastic. That's my pick, that's my out record of the week, 1990s deicide self titled. Yeah, you sent me a clip of that, and I was like, Whoa, it's it's wild, yeah. And then, I mean, considering the fact that listening to that and Megadeth back to back, that Black Curtains was still heavy, to me. <laughs> so so you know so it is. I'm still trying to figure out what it is that my taste is that constitutes heavy because I know there will be people who will listen to Black Curtains, and I still urge anybody to do it, yeah but there will be people who hear black curtains and they're not going to hear the heaviness that I hear. So I'm still working on trying to figure out what, what it is. That's so heavy to you. What, that, what is so heavy in my taste that hears that is heavy. right. What's your album of the
0: week? Mine was youth fountains. New record that just came out, keepsakes and reminders. I think I sent you a clip of their first record that I really liked. This one's really good too. My only negative thing about this record is Merch Now's handling. I got the record, I got a scratch through one of the tracks, really bummed me out. Emailed them and they were like, We'll give you 15% off because it only affected one track. Yeah, Merch Now's a disaster. Yeah, not cool. But no, the record itself, uh, the music, really great. Kind of, I don't want to say pop punk, uh, because that's, I mean, that's just punk now, really. Anything coming out. But uh, lack of harsh vocals on this one as compared to their first record. But still really good. Still have the, uh, I don't want to say depressing lyrics, but self-deprecating lyrics. And it just hits that sweet spot
1: for me that, yeah, I can feel that. (laughs) The only reference I have for Youth Fountain is... Their, did their first album cover also look like a Le Dispute album cover? Kind of slightly. Yeah, we did talk about that. It's like a white window frame and there's blue yeah, and Or stuff. a bookshelf yeah. or something. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, really good record. I liked it. I wish it didn't skip through uh, like the 13th track or something like that, but it also i also have a digital download of it so i can listen to that track whenever
1: i get to pick next album for you you sure do which normally i had to, i i told you i normally just like panic choose at the end of every episode <laughs> right, yeah. like i have i have a list and i just panic choose one but yesterday i had actually messaged you and said hey i have the record picked out yeah
0: you did it was uh, it surprised me when you sent me that
1: before i say the record for next week i got to put a little asterisk in here for your friends and your argument Megadeth is better than Metallica. <laughs> so next week's album, <laughs> seeing that you kind of took me down to what like influenced you into heavy music and things like that, yeah. I'm taking one of my favorite band's favorite heavy albums. It's from 2010. Okay. It is the Acacia Strains' Wormwood. Wormwood, okay. I, I had actually, when I was listening to this yesterday is when I decided I needed you. Th- this is the one that I'm going to bring to you. Sure. It, it could have been any other one, but for some reason yesterday, I was like, I'm going to figure out which one. And I put this one on and I immediately was like, yeah, I guess is the one.
0: I have seen their cover art mm-hmm. and I love their cover art on like every record that they put out. Yeah, I've just never really listened to them. I mean, I listened to their last one that they came out with. Was it last year or 19? Slow Decay. I believe it was 2020. Yeah. So I listened to that one and I loved that one. But I'm really excited to get into some of their older stuff. So, yeah, super sweet. I'm, I'm stoked.
1: And I think depending on what you think about this album because i will be bringing more case strain to you i don't know if it'll be next or whatever but our friendship will end no no because i <laughs> there's definite i've already i was already thinking about i know certain things that i think are you may like and may not like mm-hmm. about it so like i'm already in a mindset of not arguing but <laughs> it, very politely explaining why the thing that you might dislike i for I, sure i like yeah but oh, I was ready for that excitement. with this record, honestly. I, I could imagine what you were thinking. Dude, I, had the, I had the barrels loaded. I was ready to go. I'm excited to talk about it, uh, uh, I and we'll get more into that, but I never really had a favorite band for a long time mm-hmm. until Acacia Strain. God, they probably still are my favorite band, if I'm being honest with myself, because okay. I don't really think I have a favorite, favorite band. Sure. But th- it would still be them. But there, yeah, there was a long period of my life where I listened to so much stuff, but I just never had like a this is my favorite. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a difficult question for people like you and I. Yes. Because you have to almost like, well, what kind of music do you know? And I'll tell you my favorite of those. Exactly.
0: That's exactly my answer to anybody that asks me a question like that. Like, Okay. Well, wait a second. Do you like popular music? Do you like heavy music? Do you like punk? Do you like metal? What kind of metal do you like? Are you into soul? Do you like R and B? Do you like hip hop? Do you like nineties hip hop? Do you like gangster rap? Like I have to, I have to know the answers to all these questions before I can give you an answer,
1: even close to who my favorite band is. Normally, I just throw it back, and I'm just like, "Well, what's your favorite band?" And then, and then, based off of what they tell me, I can be like, "Oh, okay, yours is so and so. So then mine is okay. Right? You know who that is. Good. We're moving. (laughs) Yeah, we can still be all right acquaintances. The only thing I'll say up front about this album. Mm -hmm is listen to it through see what you can get but you you may need lyrics I probably you will. need to go through it with some lyrics yeah. his, his vocal styling is a certain way that i think you'll be all right sometime mm-hmm. but you you'll probably need them because when I was doing yesterday i i still i know every track i know every right. line of yeah. this album it's it's that and it's that in my head yeah. that I know every line word for word almost subconsciously but to you'll probably you'll probably at least need to what give them once over yeah no that's cool i'm i'm excited i'm stoked that'll be awesome we're gonna do this this has been a serious like heavy couple i mean i guess we split up with band of horses so i guess it wasn't the heaviest right. month
0: right but no it, <laughs> it, it will be i mean metallica megadeth now acacia strain with a with a band of horses film yep man i'm gonna have but to. not a film i'm gonna have that, to that that album was great. tone it down for my next record i thought about going a different way Get some, get some smooth jazz. Get you some Miles
1: Davis. I've never listened to Miles Davis record. I don't know. I if, can't in my right. We'll mind, talk about that a different. Time. I can't in
0: my right mind give you a Miles Davis record. I love Miles Davis, but I have a feeling you would just not.
1: You would not. I, I, I don't think. And this is nothing. This isn't negative about either of us, but I feel like we aren't educated enough in jazz to talk about it. properly. No,
0: I agree. <laughs> I agree because jazz, jazz people are certain kind of people. And if you don't mention a certain thing
1: or if you do mention something wrong, but there's also like 80 80 different genres of jazz. Jazz is extensive. It's like I'm reading that book about um why your music taste is what it is yeah. and like cult- culture plays into it. Very first chapter it comes out and he's like, "Oh yeah, you you won't have to know how to read music for this. It's not imperative. You'll be fine." And then launches right into three straight pages of just music. music like, I don't know what the your- <laughs> What's the purpose? Right. But it talks a lot about jazz and how like every time it's it's trying to explain this very complicated and convoluted, difficult musical section, yeah. then they'll 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 talk about it and then he'll say and then it can also be more more expanded upon in jazz. And it's like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> I don't even understand how that works. Right. But I'm trying.
0: Yeah, jazz is one of those one of those uh genres that if you don't like it, you really don't like it. And there's nothing that can pull you into it. Like Emily doesn't like jazz. She doesn't, she doesn't like it at all. And I'll play her kind of blue from miles Davis. And she's just like, nope, nothing in this does anything for me.
1: I think my thing is I can all other types of music. I'm able to enjoy it sonically mm-hmm. and then step back and look at it from different directions. Sure. Where, whereas jazz, all I can do is feel it. Yep. I I can't, I can't step outside of it and, really get a grasp of it because I don't think that's what jazz is either, but maybe some jazz is I'm just too dumb. That's always on the table. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my thing with jazz is yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always a feeling
0: for me because I, I don't know anything about, you know, mm-hmm. timing and beats and you know, the complexities of certain things. I just, when I hear it, do I like it? Can I feel where this is going? Like, kind of bookend test-ish. Like, do I feel like there's a journey going on here? Like, can I jump on this train? And there are certain times in my life that I'm like, yeah, right now is a great time for a jazz record. And I'll put on some Coltrane or, you know, Miles Davis and just be in my own head listening to it. It's great. It's great background music for me and palate cleansery for any time. But trying to listen actively and write down notes about what I think this jazz record is doing, I wouldn't be able to do it. We'd have a five minute yeah.
1: podcast where we're like, yep, it was good. Or it would be, hey, this part's cool, but I don't know what it's called. Hey, this part's cool. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Hey, this is cool, but yeah, exactly. I, I think you almost have to be a jazz musician to talk about jazz, which I guess should be the way most music is, but I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't who know. Who am I? Who are we? We're a couple we're just a couple white dudes with a podcast. That's true. Really, really uh adding to the the zeitgeist yeah. here. <laughs> Speaking of
0: adding to the zeitgeist I got us a Facebook group page. So anybody who's interested in, in joining us over there, you can just uh, search for Are You Listening Podcast on Facebook. Join the group. You can hit us up there and then on Twitter at AYLpod. Let us know what you think. If there's any records that you would like us to listen to, we'll add it to the list. That would be great. Love some interaction. And uh, you can find us, of course, on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And uh, we also have an anchor.fm page that you can listen to us on there as well. So, yeah, check us out on all those on all those
1: fancy things. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so next week we have the Acacia Strain, and I'll spell it because just in case anybody wants to look for it and can't find it. It is the A-C-A-C-I-A Strain, S T R a-I-N. I almost messed up saying, spelling strain there for a second. <laughs> it is the Acacia Strain album Wormwood. W-O-R-M W-O-O-D. One word. Um, And yeah, listen. Don't listen. But we will be talking about it next week. We hope you join us. For sure. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, brother. I'm very excited that you like this record. I'm very excited I like this record. Yeah. Are you listening? Are you listening? Yeah! Alright. Yeah! <laughs> Megadeth is better than Metallica Megadeth is better than Metallica Megadeth is better than Metallica Megadeth is better than Metallica